Kukaloris is a Greek word that means the dance of the shadows. I guess in Greece, there are so many dancing shadows that they need a specific word for it. On film sets, Kukaloris refers to an apparatus put in front of a light source to create a dappled effect on a subject. And Kukaloris is also the name of Wilmington, North Carolina's deeply beloved Kukaloris Film Festival, which for more than 25 years has celebrated fun, challenging, dangerous film with a deep emphasis on representing everyone and no emphasis whatsoever on competition. We're releasing this episode of Movie Maker Interviews on Wednesday, November 18th, 2020, and the Kukaloris Film Festival is now underway. The organizers have found some very cool ways to make this drive-in and virtual edition feel vital and extra fun. In fact, the most fun Zoom event I've been part of since this whole pandemic mess started was this past Sunday night through Kukaloris. We watched the 1987 prison movie, which is apparently the least weird of three secret films Kukaloris is screening online. One will be tonight, and one will be Sunday. These films are deliriously odd, very hard to find, and free. In this episode, I talk with curator and host Aaron Hillis, who is putting together those screenings, and Dan Brawley, who heads the festival. But if you look at their bios on the Kukaloris website, Dan is listed as Chief Instigating Officer, and it says Aaron died in the Third Civil War. We talk about the origins of the festival, how to get into it, and how to join Aaron's secret movie screening series this week. As you can guess, we're going to take a lot of diversions this episode. You may find yourself wanting to learn more about filmmaker Jama Fanaka and Canon Film Distributors, and if that's the case, I'm going to recommend you check out Dan Delgado's The Industry Podcast, which goes deep on both. I'll include a link in the show notes to the industry. It's fantastic. Also, if you've been enjoying Eric Steyer's excellent interviews on this podcast, he'll be back later this week with a terrific one with a very tall actor who has gotten two Oscar nominations. And now, I'm Tim Malloy, and here are Dan Brawley and Aaron Hillis from the Kukaloris Film Festival, now underway. Dan Brawley, Aaron Hillis, welcome to Movie Maker Interviews. It is so cool to talk to you guys in person after admiring your work for as long as I have. Great to be here. So Dan, I know you've spoken with Movie Maker before about Kukaloris and what makes it unique. Um, one thing that you always emphasize is that competition sucks and <laughs> film festivals don't have to be a contest. Can you talk about the history of Kukaloris and how you arrived at that idea? You know, um, I have to give credit to the the underground filmmaking collective that started Kukaloris called Twinkle Dune. You know, that was one of the things that I inherited. I showed up the third year and was blown away by the fact that I could see these films that you just couldn't see anywhere else. This was in the late nineties. And uh, here, you know, here I am 20 some years later uh, as the, as the, I don't know, the chief instigating officer is officially my title. Um, but I think we always felt like it was important that we didn't create a hierarchy. And that's an essential part of the Kukaloris community is that everything is flat. You know, you can walk into the front door at Jingo's Playhouse uh, the very first day that you're a part of the Kukaloris crew and influence major decisions and join budget discussions. And so we just always felt like the world was an easier place to live if we weren't stacked on top of each other. Yeah. 
I feel like you've created a really cool community that I've only gotten a little tiny piece of by taking part um, in a screening last night that we'll talk about with Aaron. Um, but just like the film knowledge that people were dropping, but also in a very fun and non snobby way was incredibly cool. Somebody mentioned um, Flooding with Love for the Kid, which is a Zach Oberzin movie that not that many people have seen and they just kind of dropped the reference. And I was like, holy crap, like these are kind of my people. And it was just, it was just, there's just no other way of putting it. It was just nice and cool and pleasant. Um, how do you, how do you facilitate that vibe, that feeling? Man, I, I wish I knew I, I had the, like a recipe that I could, uh, write down and, and stick somewhere safe. But, uh, we've been fortunate that, uh, Kukulars attracts creative people who are kind of laid back. I mean, and also we're a little bit like film nerds, uh, film nerds who like to drink. I think it's probably a pretty good, uh, you know, some summary. Uh, but there's something about the way Kukaloris encourages people to take risks that really, man, makes people uh, braver than they usually are. Uh, and, you know, our festival is, the word festival is like not even right. It's more like a, a summer camp for weirdos and you know for five six seven days in november usually here in wilmington uh, we all get together and um i think that it's uh it's really hard to put into words until you've been there until you've spent a night uh, behind, around a bonfire you know looking at aaron hillis wearing a unicorn costume uh yeah so so um it's, it's, I, I, feel, I feel lucky to be a part of it. I feel like I got really lucky that I fell into it. So uh, it is a little magical in a way that's hard to describe, I think. Uh, Dan is, uh, Dan's always been a, been a humble guy, but if I can, uh, you know, he's also very close to it. So if I can speak uh, from my own subjective point of how I got involved in Kukaloris, I, I think some of it kind of makes a little sense. Uh, I, I was a film journalist for many years, and uh, by chance in 2007, uh, a couple friends, including my not-yet-wife, uh, we made a documentary feature uh, called Fish Kill Flea. They made it into South by Southwest in 2007. Uh, I had never heard of Kukaloris. I think it was uh, the filmmaker Michael Tully, uh, who made Ping Pong Summer and Septien, uh, told me, you gotta, you gotta submit to, to Kukaloris. Like, uh, you know, Wilmington, North Carolina is host to uh, one of the greatest festivals in the country, uh, bar none. And uh, I, I, I the, the story changes about how we figured <laughs> out that the film actually got to Kukaloris, but I went, I was the only person from the team who was able to make it down there. Uh, I was pretty new on the festival circuit, even though I was a, a film journalist, I wasn't doing a lot of traveling yet. And I didn't really know it. I, I knew exactly two people uh, on the ground. Uh, there was the, uh, the filmmaker and actor Barlow Jacobs uh, and a then actress turned filmmaker uh, named Greta Gerwig. But the oh. only two people I know, and somehow the festival had figured out that we knew each other and put us all in the same B&B. Uh, &B. <laughs> and it was it was already like Dan was saying it was like a summer camp. There was an experience I had never had an experience like that. You know, compared to South by Southwest, where it's so huge and sprawling, and you're just left to your own devices. 
this was a very intimate communal feel. And, uh, you know, within four days, suddenly I had a, I had a new foster film family that I didn't have before. Uh, I think I've been chasing that dragon ever since, uh, uh, short of this year where we've been doing things more online. Uh, I've been going to Kugeloris now for 14 years straight. Man. And where do you live? Uh, I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, nice. Okay. So can you guys talk about just sort of the feeling of Wilmington, North Carolina. I've been to North Carolina. Don't think I've been to Wilmington, but you know, with the world changing and us being able to, people realizing that they don't have to live in New York and LA and that they might be able to move to a small town and do everything over Zoom. Um, can you kind of make the pitch for Wilmington, North Carolina, besides the fact that you could uh, potentially change the demographics of a hotly contested battleground state? Yeah, bring it, please. We need, we need a little bit of help. Not a whole lot more, a little bit. Uh, wow, Wilmington is uh, incredible. You know, Dino De Laurentiis came here in the 1980s and he fell in love with the beaches and built a studio, one of the biggest studios in the world. You know, he, he built Dino Cheetah in Italy, but then had some success in the U.S. and built this dream. Uh, it's owned today by Screen Gems. But you have the resources of a major production, you know, facility in a relatively small southern city that has a beautiful historic downtown and some of the best beaches in the world. So you can, downtown Wilmington, uh, totally, totally charming, historic houses, uh, a little nighttime entertainment district that is rocking. Seven days a week, it is rocking. You go to you go to Front Street in Wilmington, and you can't, you you just get sucked into a party. It's uh it's inevitable. Um, and then a fifteen minute drive away, you have uh, these beautiful beaches where you can go and think about shit. Uh, you know, so I think it's magical. Um, that that combination is very special, and I don't know that there's anywhere else in the world that has that you know, the, the, those special qualities, you can, sure, you can go to Atlanta, New York, or LA, where there are, you know, incredible, vast, you know, uh, resources for making movies. But uh, if you want to raise a family, um, if you want to surf, uh, you know, there's a number of things that Wilmington offers that you just can't really find anywhere else. And, and because Dino came here in the 80s, there's some legends in, in Wilmington in the film industry. Joe Dutton is a great example. Joe invented video assist, uh, one of the most incredible camera engineers uh, on the planet. Uh, and you can drive over to his shop and sit down on the couch and he'll talk to you for three hours if you have enough time. And he'll tell you about working with Stanley Kubrick. He'll tell you about how he, you know, hand polished all the lenses for Stanley for all his films. And Stanley would have him make nine or 10 lenses and would look at them and pick one uh, that, that Joe said were identical, you know, so you, you just have some things here that are really special. To, going on with the Dino De Laurentiis, uh, I mean, it can't stress how, how many films that guy uh, touched that were, that were made in Wilmington and helped uh, really shape uh, the film industry there, not just the community. Uh, but one of the things that attracted me to Kukaloras early on uh, was their re uh, the festival really uh, gra grasped onto one film in the in the De Laurentiis uh, oeuvre as as kind of the uh, the the 
patron saint of the festival, and that's Blue Velvet. David Lynch's uh, 1986 masterpiece uh, was shot in Wilmington, and a lot of the locations still exist, uh, including the Carolina apartments where Isabella Rossellini's character lived, uh, the high school, the diner, uh, and the bar where Dennis Hopper does his whole uh, Heineken uh, <laughs> bit. Uh, that's the Barbary Coast right on uh, Front Street where Dan was speaking of. And uh, one of the one of the coolest things that the festival does every year when we are able to do an in-person festival, of course, uh, is uh, is an immersive commissioned event called the Bus to Lumberton, where we uh, invite the guest film artists to create some sort of interactive happening uh, doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, the, the, the medium can change for sure, as long as B- Blue Velvet kind of informs uh, the, the tone or spirit uh, of it. And we've had uh, some incredible artists like uh, like Josephine Decker, uh, who most recently made Shirley, and Zach Clark, who made Little Sister, uh, have built these concoctions that can only be inspired by, uh, by what Kugeloris and specifically Dan Brawley is doing. Josephine's Blue Velvet, uh, Busta Lumberton was a 5K. We ran around town and that was... That uh, was we, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> we went looking for doll parts in a, along, <laughs> along a creek and then wandered into a workshop and, uh, and, and, and jogged past. Some of us were jogging. Some of us were walking uh, from the night before, not quite able to jog, but... Um, <laughs> We're going right past all these all these locations, you know. I lived in Carolina Apartments. Uh, I went to the high school, you know. So it, it well, it's a little quaint, even when you start. You 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 are inside of it all when you get here. You you feel like you really could be in the film Blue Velvet. Uh, so many times I'll be driving a filmmaker, in you know, to Thalian Hall, one of our main venues, and they kind of do a double take when we go by the Carolina Apartments. And they're not quite sure why. Wow. Uh, that's just about my wife's favorite movie. And she's also our publisher. So uh, I think he sold us. Um, we're definitely going to be down your way as soon as we possibly can. Uh, so speaking of interactive events that you brought up earlier, you guys did an amazing one last night. Um, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's the best use of Zoom I've seen during all this craziness. It was like the only time that I've ever done something on Zoom that was actually cooler over Zoom than it would have been in person because we could all interact and comment and stuff. Can you talk about <laughs> what you're doing? You you did it last night. You're going to do it this coming Wednesday, which I think is the uh, 17th? The 18th. The 18th? And Sunday the 22nd uh, will be the next two secret convulsion screenings. Okay, what are these? So this is this is kind of a evolved. This is two separate story strands that uh, have kind of kind of evolved. Uh, I've been uh, I've been a curator at Kugeloris for uh, a handful of years now. It's a, it's actually only been the last couple of years uh, that I've been dipping into uh, submissions and uh, and having a having a, a hand in helping shape that. But as a as a, you know as I said as a film journalist as someone who has traveled to uh, to a lot of festivals, I go to Cannes every year. Toronto, some of the big ones. Uh, I, I sometimes just see more films than uh, than the rest of the Kugeloris team can. So I've been kind of in a bubble, uh, you know, bringing bringing some of those uh, films. 
And I've had a, a sidebar program called Convulsions uh, for a few years. Uh, Convulsions to me isn't really, it's, it's not exactly a genre program. Uh, we used to call it Midnight Madness, but that wasn't even really fair because that's Toronto's show and we weren't even doing them at midnight. But I wanted to make something that was, uh, that was specifically for adults uh, that, you know, the, the kind of weird films that you could get rowdy with. And so I, I always say you need to have at least two of the three following characteristics, sex, horror, and bizarre thrills. If you have at least two of those, maybe, uh, maybe you're ready for convulsions. Meanwhile, I don't know if you heard, but uh, there's this virus going around. Uh, and once we all went down and uh, it went into lockdown earlier this year, uh, I felt I was kind of sitting on my hands and not knowing what to do. I couldn't go to the movies, which is uh, one of my greatest escapes in life. Uh, and I wanted to be able to see friends. So I figured, well, we all uh, hang out in these little Zoom windows now. Why don't, uh, why don't I show some weird movies to my friends? And that's how Playtime was born. Um, so with, with the hashtag of Playtime with Hillis, uh, I've been showing, last night was actually number 60. I have shown 60 movies since May, uh, twice a week. And it's really just been uh, for friends and helping people cope because a lot of people aren't able to work. A lot of people are just, you know, grieving and feeling depressed. This is a, it's, it's been a, a horrible time for everybody. Uh, and the festival was coming up and it was Dan's idea. Actually. Uh, I remember specifically it was over the summer and he suggested, why don't, uh, why don't you, you make your program this year be playtime. So convulsions and playtime are now the same thing, uh, for, for, for the screenings. And, uh, you know, this is only just one little small part of the festival, but it's been, uh, been a blast to bring in a, a bunch of, bunch of newcomers to see, uh, see what we do watching these, uh, crazy movies well that's the thing isn't it i mean right now we are all being encouraged to take a new journey right to turn left instead of right uh, experiment and this is an experiment that i think will who cares if we're having a pandemic that is fun to get together um in that way you know i i don't want to have staff meetings and and i don't want to be on zoom 12 times a day you know a year from now but uh, I definitely will log in for a late night, watch a weird movie with some friends who maybe live in different cities. And I think that is one of the uh, cool things that's happening right now is that a lot of people are doing wild new things and some of them are fun and are going to be fun no matter what happens when the world changes. I, I think Dan really, really called it. Uh, the fact that, that Kukuloris this year has been decentralized has now allowed us uh, to have a bigger audience than we, than we did before, you know, uh, as a nonprofit, it's not like the festival has the budget to bring in every single filmmaker and everybody who wants to come. It's, that's just not feasible. And we, you know, we, we do a better job at that than I think a lot of festivals do, uh, getting, getting, uh, artists down there. It is a very artist forward festival. Uh, but with playtime or in this case, uh, the secret convulsions, you know, now we can get people from, uh, you know, someone from Hong Kong was uh, was was checking in. Somebody from Australia was, you know, and it was lunchtime, their time. Uh, it, you know, that, that's 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 a neat feeling. The other night for uh, Kugeloris is, is long done a an installation piece called Visual Sound Walls. It's usually a marriage of, of music and film in some way. And uh, is often been in like music videos have been kind of the the the, the medium of choice. Uh, but we had the great uh, beloved art pop band Sparks uh, doing a doing a two hour retrospective of their music videos, 
And it was really fun because not only did we have people who just wanted to see what Kukuloris is doing for visual sound walls this year, uh, but there was a community, a global community of Sparks fans, some of whom were staying up until five in the morning in Europe uh, to tune in to see uh, to see their favorite band. So, uh, you know, there, there are some advantages to uh, to not doing an in-person festival for sure. Yeah, and it's not just reaching more people, it's reaching different people. And I think that's what happens. Like with the film festival industry, regardless of, of COVID, is being flattened. I mean, you know, people can get to other places. And so uh, all of us are vying for the same audience. Uh, you know, I'm next door to Netflix, but also next door to the Tarboro Film Festival, you know. And so how do I distinguish myself? Well, you have to be wildly original. And I think we're just encouraged to take more and more risks and show the weirdest movies, the most original movies. Um, Every festival can't have the same lineup. That's just so boring. And so, yeah, we want people to be tuning in from Hong Kong. Um, That one, you know, one weirdo in Hong Kong, you know, heck yeah. Yeah, I mean, we all have that friend. Mine mine is named Juan, if he's listening. How's it going? Um, who have all the movies that you can't stream anywhere, that you can't find anywhere, they're out of print, whatever, and, you know, puts together a movie night that's just amazing. And that's what it felt like yesterday. Um, so the movie you presented, I don't know if I'm allowed to say what it is, but Aaron, can you say what you're allowed to? And Yeah, we'll- sure. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, there, there are a lot of, distribution is a very strange thing. You know, they, these artists make, Nowadays, uh, like like artists make something and it gets out there in the festival circuit and it doesn't necessarily get picked up by a distributor. Well, how do you see that? Well, now take movies that are 10, 20, 30, 40 years old that are not distributed. And how do you find them? Well, thanks to the Internet, there's some uh, and good friends, you know, who would just who just collect. There are there are means to track down uh, uh, what we'll call gray market films in that they're films that uh, maybe there are a rights holder, but there is not a commercial release. So I have been, uh, you know, kind of kind of sneakily showing these things, but we're not. It's just it's it's up on a, on a live link, and as soon as it's done, it's over. So, and we're and we're doing it for free. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I, the spirit's in the right place. And if anything, if there ever was a commercial release of these movies later, it's only getting more attention to it uh, to hopefully have people, uh, you know, then pay money to be able to see these things. So last night uh, we showed, uh, Dan and I had been talking about uh, doing some films from the uh, the African-American uh, film movement of the 70s and 80s at LA Rebellion. And uh, so Penitentiary 3 falls into uh, that line, Jama Fanaka's uh, prison boxing movie uh, that also doubles as a, as a, a canon title, C-A-N-N-O-N, the, the crazy company, uh, run by two Israeli brothers who were who were just absolute uh, madmen and just threw money at things because they were also able to sell these movies quickly to other countries if they had uh, you know B movie cheap thrills in them. Uh, so yeah, that was. Uh, it's not every day you get to see uh, see a, a former wrestler uh, with dwarfism who uh, smokes crack and bites people's genitals as a finishing move in prison. Uh, but, you know, you get get 50, 60 people together uh, to uh, drink and eat their edibles and whatever people do and uh, talk trash in the, uh, in the chat window, and that's just an instant party. 
yeah, it's one of the most <laughs> enjoyable movies I've ever seen. Um, because it it moves really fast. Like it's a really well-made movie in a way. Like there's some acting that isn't great. And there's a character who takes a saxophone with him everywhere he goes. But in print. <laughs> but you know, it was good. And the action scenes were actually I had a great time. I mean, I would recommend that movie to people. That was and you said that that was the least uh crazy of the movies you're gonna show this week. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it was the schlockiest, but it's also uh, the least bonkers for sure. I'll say if you can turn to tune in on uh, Wednesday the 18th, and again, it's a it's a free show uh, at, at starting starting at 10 p.m. Eastern. I hope people can uh, can make it out. Wednesdays is actually going to be the uh, the best, or I will say the classiest of the three movies, and then the one on uh, Sunday the 22nd is by far the most outrageous, and by that I mean offensive. Of the three, <laughs> great. Uh, you know, the other thing is that these these films have a story. And you know, I mean, Jamaf Vinaka and and what he did there. You know, he made these films as a student. I mean, in some way, this is a student film. And that's I think the other thing that uh, Aaron has done with this series and this format is that we're watching fascinating work, but we're also learning a little bit about it. And in many cases, filmmakers are showing up. You know, and so uh, they're delighted. Yeah. Nobody's nobody cares about nobody's said anything about some of these films in 20 years. And all of a sudden, this weirdo in Brooklyn is, you know, ringing you up to say, hey, I want to show your movie to my friends. And they're delighted. We've had some great people show up. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's over over uh, over this past uh, few months. Uh, some of the guests for Playtime have included uh, Paul Schrader came for uh, for an HBO movie he made in the 90s. Uh, we had a. Kelly Reichert offered up, she, she wasn't able to make it, but she offered up uh, an original print of a, of a rare film of hers called Ode. And we had uh, Larry Fessenden and John Worcester for that. Uh, I pre-recorded an intro with, uh, with Alice Cooper the week of Halloween for, uh, for uh, an 80s werewolf dog movie that he, uh, he starred in when he was newly sober. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been wild. Joe Dante, uh, list goes on and on. I think it's, uh, it's exactly like Dan was saying. It's like, new attention on these uh, movies that have been uh, forgotten about in the annals of history and uh, not to mention that we're all trapped in the house. So they're home. You know, the fact that we were able to get sparks sparks I had on, on the, on the, uh, on the screening series too, talking about a Jean-Claude Van Damme film a couple months ago. And it's because uh, they were supposed to be touring in Europe, but everything's closed down. So they had the time. It's been uh, making, making, uh, making treasures uh, out of, out of, tragedy we, we do another podcast called the industry hosted by dan delgado and the latest one is all about superman 4 so when you mentioned canon i was like oh my god canon like i've been hearing about this all this time and they made these every movie that came out when i was 10 that i thought was the coolest thing ever made whether it was like superman 4 or cobra or like all these just all these like awful chuck norris movies they did them all. And it's just, it, it was really cool to see kind of a forgotten one from the canon that also connects to the LA rebellion movement. I mean, you brought so much stuff together with that, you know, that movie that might've seemed like a totally random choice. It was neat to see that it actually had some history and a lot of threads connecting there. It was, it's just a really inspired choice. I thought that was great curation. Thank you. Appreciate it. So I know a lot of people listening to this are filmmakers and probably want to enter Kukaloris, I won't say compete in Kukaloris because that's not your thing. Um, what tends to get in? What do you tend to like? And what advice do you have to anybody who's submitting? 
I'm, I'm glad, I'm really glad that you asked that because uh, I'll say one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately and the responsibility that festivals have, we get thousands of submissions, we can't show them all, and the system is, is messed up. It, it just doesn't work. And so um, I am actively talking to filmmakers about how, what's, where does it, it's gotta be a better way than you paying 50 bucks to send me your film and me having to figure out how to watch them all. I mean, it takes a lot of work to watch and, and, and uh, consider all those films. So there's a bit of a, you know, imbalance in the system. Too many good films are being made. That's the reality. And that's uh, frustrating, frustrating for me. Uh, I, well, we got to figure it out. I mean, all these, there's so many talented filmmakers. So uh, what gets into Kugeloris? We, uh, this year, uh, uh, have made a couple of commitments that I think are, are um pretty powerful. One is that half the films of the festival are directed by black, Latino, or indigenous filmmakers. And we're, we're, we're going to stick with that. We've been for five years now, more than half the films are made by women. So uh, we really yeah, are. I think that's super important. And uh, Dan, Dan and uh, his crew d definitely deserve a lot of credit for that. Uh, because I feel, I feel like, you know, specifically uh, in, in like the post Me Too era, so many, so many institutions we're really playing lip service by saying, oh, now we're gonna be at gender parity. And uh, we've been doing it for longer because we recognize something that needed to happen and then we just did it. And we didn't make a big show of it and it wasn't like a selling point, we just did it. And I, I think that's that's part of part of the Kukuloris mentality is uh, it's, it's, not, it's not going with trends, it's just trying to do what's right uh, whenever we can anyway. Well, and it goes back to the early days of, of Kukuloris, which really was right at the beginning of the film festival movement. You know, the early 90s, when film festivals existed because there just wasn't anywhere else that you could see this stuff. There, really, there just wasn't. There was no, nowhere. It was like filmmakers were so excited. They're like, I can't believe you're going to show my movie to other human beings. You know, like, wow, this is incredible. And so we want, to, we want that same feeling. We, we want to find the films where that is still the, 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 the paradigm, right? Is that like, there are films out there that no one is showing, no one's getting any love. Um, the, that's what's exciting to me, pushing the boundaries, uh, you know, on a, on a purely sort of personal level. I love, you know, bizarre thrills and also quiet observational documentaries. So, who knows? I, I, I often tell filmmakers that the reality is it's like I'm going to the grocery store to get bananas. They have a lot of bananas at the grocery store. <laughs> and so I'm going to do my best to find some that look good, but really all the bananas look pretty good. And so when you're submitting to festivals, go to a festival website, check out their program from the past couple of years. If you see a film sort of like yours, it's probably a pretty good shot. Uh, still about a one out of 10, even in that case. Um, and reach out to the festival, let them know how important it is. Uh, the reason that I love my job is because I love meeting people. Uh, more than watching movies, I like meeting people and talking to people. And so uh, to me, it's, a, it's just another way to meet people through their films. And yeah, we, would love to see whatever you're making. Uh, those of you who are listening, um, send it my way. Uh, and we have tons of programs, uh, no entry fee for 
um, black, Latino, and indigenous filmmakers at all, uh, discounted fees for women, um, white dudes pay extra, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, how do people, how do people do that if they found this, if they're not in front of a computer and they're just listening to a podcast driving or something, um, where should they go? Go to kukaloris.org, um, C-U-C-A-L-O-R-U-S, um, and click around till you find something you like. <laughs> um, yeah, but the festival runs all the way for another eight days. Uh, tons of stuff streaming, um, a bunch of live online events, which is like the event that you came to um, that have a specific start time. We're showing Inspector Ike, which just won an award at the New Orleans Film Festival. Really uh, weird, singular piece of <laughs> cinema. Um, so yeah, check check it out. Log in. A bunch of Zooms as well. So if you want to meet some of these uh, folks, uh, meet Hillis is probably on one or two of those. I'm on. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a doing a tonight actually for That's the Harry right. Nut Disco Shorts Block. How about that? And all right, well, I'm the only one who's going to get to watch that because there's no way I'll get this posted by tonight. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, the 16th. But oh man, that sounds awesome. All the shorts blocks are named after mushrooms this year. <laughs> I wonder why. You know, hey, <laughs> been that kind of a year, hasn't it? <laughs> uh, and people got some other intel that you are a dog person because I did see your beautiful dog and I wanted to introduce them, but then they made themselves known. So they they went to find something more interesting than <laughs> us. Uh, but Sonia and the little one uh, is Isabella Rossellini. Oh my God! You're really taking the blue velvet thing all away. I love it. We we do. She, we hoped that to actually have Miss Rosalini here soon, um, doing one of her. She has a dog show uh, <laughs> called Circus Circus. Um, we we but, almost had her last year, but uh, the time the timing was off by like one week. Oh man, incredible! Um, there's so much stuff I want to ask you guys. Is there anything that you want to make sure? we got to that we that we didn't like anything I should have asked that I didn't you know I think we've covered our ground you know we just um appreciate your time and encourage people to check out Kukaloris it's weird it's different um and we'll be here uh for another eight days and we'll be here next year um we also run a residency program we give out grants it's uh we're doing all sorts of stuff all year long and Sometimes the best time to reach out and to walk through the front door at Kukaloris is at a quieter time of year. So, you know, if you're intrigued, if you've seen some good stuff, um, you know, ring us in March, April, and May and, and check in and see what's going on. That's super good advice. That's, I hope people bank that. Um, and Aaron, how do people watch the films that you're curating after Kukaloris is over? Well... <laughs> Alas, it is uh, be- because of uh, because of all those reasons that I mentioned before. Uh, I can't really just make it live to the public. Uh, I would have to get uh, permissions, and that's not really uh, like I said. Th- this this really stemmed as a way to uh, to to help help some friends who were hurting and just bring them together. But uh, hey, reach out to me. I'm pretty easy to find on the internet, and uh, maybe we'll just invite you to a screening. How about that? I was going to cut this out, but people who stuck around for the end just got some good, uh, got a good <laughs> shortcut. All right. That's but cool. please come to these next two because it's going to be great because it's not just 
not just friends of mine. It's like new friends. It's a bunch of new people, and uh, you could be one of them. Uh, yeah, 18th, uh, Wednesday the 18th, and Sunday the 22nd. But definitely go to kookaloris.org and check out all of the cool things that are happening for uh, the next eight days, as Dan said. Awesome. I love what you guys are doing. Um, I'll definitely be around probably Wednesday and Sunday, honestly. Being annoying comments. Come on. You should definitely come on Wednesday uh, because uh, we'll be showing a, a rare and kinky thriller and is going to be uh, there's going to be a musical intro uh, by the great Shirley Gnome. You do not want to miss that. Wow. All right. I got two days to guess what this is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Tim. We appreciate you, man. Thank you all so much. Really appreciate it. Hey, it's Tim Malloy again. Thank you so much for listening. For more information on everything you just heard about, visit kukaloris.org. There's links to Zoom events, including those secret convulsion screenings. I highly recommend you check them all out. There's one tonight at 10.30 p.m., tonight being Wednesday. There's another on Sunday. And just so much great stuff from Kukaloris. They're one of many festivals that are doing an incredible job to raise up their community and raise up film at a trying time for everybody. And I just really appreciate their work and how much fun they have doing that work. You can read more about Kukaloris and other festivals and film schools and other people who are keeping film alive at moviemaker.com. We would love to see you there anytime. You can reach out to us anytime at moviemakermag. We really appreciate your insight and input. And may you find lots of light in those dancing shadows, you beautiful Greek light dancing, Greek wedding having light dance, dance light, light dancers. See you very soon.